0: Christianity rests in the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. In scholars, Bibles, secular history, everything testifies to this one truth, that the Lord Jesus Christ is risen from the dead. He defeated death. He defeated hell. He defeated the grave. And I'm going to pray right now. Maybe there's somebody here. Maybe there's one person here that's not saved that doesn't know Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, or maybe there's people that are here that feel distant from God, and they, it's not connecting. It's not connecting up here. It's not connecting right here. I want to pray for you right now, and I pray that the, over the next 30 minutes as we look at the Gospel of John, chapter 20, that the Holy Spirit will work in your heart. And my prayer for you is that you'll just crack open your heart and say, Lord, show me truth. Let me see this. That excitement that dude had, that's real. When you understand that your sins have been forgiven and Jesus Christ is Lord and he's defeated death, hell, and the grave, you will have that same zeal, that same joy, and that same passion. So please join with me in prayer. And you pray, each and every one of us in this room, Christian, pray that God opens our heart as we look at the resurrection of Christ through the eyes of Mary Magdalene. Let's pray. Father God in heaven, we love you, Lord. We praise you. And Father, I pray by the power of the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit, that you'll open our hearts this morning. And Lord, we'll, have, we'll walk out of here with joy and excitement and enthusiasm and an uplifted spirit because we know Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. In Jesus' mighty name I pray, amen. Amen. Please turn in your Bibles this morning. If you don't have a Bible, raise your hand, and Andy will bring you a Bible. If you don't have a Bible, raise your hand, and Andy will pass you out a Bible. And for the rest of the family here, please turn in your Bibles this morning to John chapter 20. John chapter 20. All right. God's word says in John chapter 20, we're just going to read the first 10 verses. It says, Now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb early while it was still dark and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. Then she ran and came to Simon Peter and to the other disciples whom Jesus loved and said to them, They have taken away the the Lord out of the tomb and we do not know where they have laid him. Peter therefore went out, And the other disciples, and were going to the tomb. So they both ran together. And the other disciple outran Peter and came to the tomb first. And he stooped down and looking in, saw the linen cloths lying there, yet he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came, followed him, and went into the tomb and saw the linen cloths lying there. And the handkerchiefs that had been around his head, not lying with the linen cloths, but folded together in a place by itself. Then the other disciples came to the tomb first, went in also, and saw and believed. For as yet they did not know the scriptures that he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples went away again to their own homes. Father God in heaven, thank you, Lord, for your word. As we look at it now and study it, Father, I pray that the resurrection becomes real in our lives and we see the power of the cross and what you did for us at Calvary you did it for each and every person in this within the sound of my voice you did it for all people so that they could spe- experience your love your grace and your truth in Jesus' mighty name I pray father amen amen so this week I got home Sunday night and I was like okay Easter Sunday's next Sunday I want to look at the resurrection what do I do where, where do I want to go and so I read through each gospel's account of the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, And there's something that grabbed my attention. There is only one disciple that's mentioned by name in all four gospel accounts. And guess who it is? Mary Magdalene. It is not John. It is not Peter. It is Mary Magdalene. If you look at all four gospel accounts from, from Good Friday to the resurrection, Uh, John's name is mentioned zero times. It does say the disciple whom Jesus loved, but it doesn't mention him by name. Peter's name is mentioned eight times in the four gospel accounts. Mary Magdalene, if you go count all four gospels, how many times she's mentioned, mentioned by name specifically, 12 times. 12 times the gospel authors mention her by name. So as I was studying it this week, I was like, I want to look at the gospel and look at the resurrection of Christ specifically through the eyes of Mary Magdalene. We know very little about her. She's a dominant figure. She is the dominant figure after Jesus. Have You heard teaching on Mary Magdalene. Hardly ever. We, we just kind of skip over her name. But there's a lot to be said about her and in Christ's resurrection Once you understand who Mary Magdalene is and what Christ did for her, it makes the gospel that much more beautiful. It makes it that much more beautiful when you understand where she came from. So this morning, we're looking at the resurrection of Christ through the eyes of Mary Magdalene. We're going to answer a couple questions. One, who is she? Number two, what do we know about her? And three, how did she come to know the Lord Jesus Christ? Now, a little sorry, but Magdalene is not her last name, okay? But we're going we're to establish that. I'm, I'm going to walk you through who, who Mary Magdalene is. Her, 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 her name, Mary Magdalene, is related to the Hebrew name for the sister of Moses. And who is she? Miriam. Miriam. That name means obstinacy or rebellious. This was likely a picture of Mary Magdalene before she came to Christ, okay? Someone is obstinate, there's probably some obstinate people here this morning, there's probably some obstinate people in your lives around us, but obstinate people are people that are stubborn. They are stubborn, they are difficult to deal with, they are strong-willed, and they are unflexible in their mind and heart because there's this hard, hardened shell around their mind and around their heart. And so, such was the case with Mary Magdalene before she came to Christ. The name also means, look this up in blue light of the Bible, it means rebellious. Rebellious. Someone that's rebellious is someone who does not obey. They're not willing to submit. Someone who fights against authority. And in her case, spiritually, they fight against God. Why? I don't know. God loves people. He cares for people. Each and every person, no matter how soft their heart is or how hard their heart is, He wants to come into your life and save you. He wants to come into your life and help you. He wants to come into your life and love you. But this world, this world, it twists our mind. It, it twists our heart, and it deceives us. And, and, and God wants to love us and show us his grace and show us his truth, but, but obstinate, rebellious. Mary Magdalene, as I said a while ago, Magdalene is not her last name. That comes from the small town that she was a part of. Mary Magdalene was from a small town called Magdala on the western shore of the Sea of Galilee. Jesus visited this town in Matthew chapter 15, verse 39, where he preached the gospel and he rebuked the Pharisees and the Sadducees for their hypocrisy. The the Aramaic name for this town uh, gives us a picture of it being a small fishing community. From everything we see in the Bible about the town of Magdala, it was really just an ordinary uh, blue-collar town. There was nothing special about this town. It wasn't like Washington, D.C. It wasn't like Jerusalem. It was just an outskirt fishing town there on the Sea of Galilee that as Jesus went out doing his ministry, him and his disciples went through this city preaching the gospel. Now, I gotta say this. Mary Magdalene gets a bad rap. She gets a bad rap in church history. Many Many believe that she was the woman caught in the act of adultery in John chapter 7. Now the problem with that is her name is not there. Her name is not there in the text. and We're people of the word, right? So we don't know for certain, we don't know for sure, that was most likely not her there in John chapter 7, the woman caught in the act of adultery. Uh, some believe she is the sinful woman in Luke chapter 7 that washed Jesus' feet with the fragrant oil and then, and then wiped his feet with her tears. Again, the same issues that found there, if you go to Luke chapter 7, her, her name is found nowhere in the text. Some even believe that she is the Mary at Bethany, the sister of Lazarus and, um, and Martha, but the, the text does not say that. And also, you got to remember a lot of times these last names in the Bible are not the people's last names. It's where they're from. In John chapter 11, the text specifically says Mary of Bethany because Bethany was where she was from. Well, Mary Magdalene was Mary from Magdala, which was a a seashore on the the, uh, western shore of the Sea of Galilee. So the last names refer to where they were from. So the question you may ask then is, well, who is she? What do we know about her firmly from the scriptures? What does scriptures reveal to us about her? In 591 AD, Pope Gregory I, a Catholic priest, wrote in his commentary that he believed that Mary Magdalene was the Mary of Bethany. She was the woman caught in the act of adultery. And that's where a lot of the crazy things came out in church history about her um, being a prostitute. Okay? So we, we don't see that in the text not saying it's not her, but the text doesn't say it's her. And if the text doesn't say it's her, we can't say definitively it is her. But that has grown throughout church history. But we've got to look at the text and see what the text of Scripture says. So, what does this woman who's there on resurrection morning, the first to see Christ? She was really the first missionary, by the way, because she was the first to encounter Jesus. And Jesus tells Mary Magdalene, you go and tell the disciples. So she was the very first person. But who is she? We go back to Luke, Luke chapter 8, verses 1 through 2, and that gives us some insight into who Mary Magdalene was. Luke chapter 8, verses 1 through 2, says, Now it came to pass afterwards that he, Jesus, went through every city and village preaching And bringing the glad tidings of the kingdom of God. And the twelve were with him. And here it is in verse 2. And certain women who had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities. And he calls out one specifically. Mary called Magdalene. Out of whom had come seven demons. That's who we know definitively, biblically That's who Mary Magdalene was. Mary Magdalene from Magdala of the Sea of Galilee, she had a very dark, sinful, and demonic past. That's That's who she was. She was harassed by demons, and she was heavily influenced by this dark, sinful world. You see, a sinful lifestyle, idolatry, witchcraft and rebellion to god is the doorway to the demonic oppression and possession that is where mary magdalene came from a person that is demon possessed is characterized by rage and anger we see all these in other biblical accounts of demon possession Remember the Gadarenes that Jesus encountered on the other side of the Sea of Galilee? They were hateful. They were angry. They were hurting themselves. They were hurting people. People stayed away from them, and that's what it was like. Satan, Satan tormented Mary Magdalene, not with one demon, because one demon's really bad, but seven. She was tormented by seven demons. That word, that number seven, means complete. In other words, she, Mary Magdalene was completely consumed in the grip of Satan. She likely suffered from depression, anxiety, paranoia, loneliness, shame, fear, and from other accounts of demonic uh, possession, uh, many physical ailments. Because the demonic spirits, they, they influence people mentally spiritually, and physically. They, 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 they destroy lives. That's what the demonic spirits do. That's what Satan does. He wants to destroy people's lives. He wants to wreck their life. But Christ said, I came to give them life, and life more abundant. He came to give you what tr- life is, forgiveness of sin, a clean heart, a new life living life in the corn Deo, in the presence of Almighty God. That's what Christ came to bring. You know, the world around us, they laugh. They laugh at us when Christians talk about demonic oppression and possession, but they are the ones that are deceived. It is a very real issue. Mary Magdalene, she's incarcerated in Satan's prison there in the city of Magdala. She's tormented by the forces of darkness. Mary Magdala, before Christ, there in the early part of the Gospels, she is, um, her life was a living hell. Because that's what it's like to be oppressed by Satan, to be harassed, to be influenced by this dark world. It's a mental, wor- it's a mental life that, it, that is a living hell. But look at Mary Magdalene. Then, in her her living hell. Then she met truth. She met truth. Truth's name is Jesus. Then she met forgiveness. Forgiveness's name is Jesus. Then she met freedom. Guess what freedom's name is? Jesus. Then she met life. Guess, guess, uh, guess what life's name is? Jesus. She met the creator of the universe and he set her free. He gave her a new life. And that new life that he gave, uh, that new life that God gave Mary Magdalene, he offers to all of us. He offers to every single person who will crack open the door of their heart and say, Lord Jesus, I need you. I need you. Please come into my life. He destroys the works of Satan. He des- God destroys the works of darkness as the person surrenders their life to him and says, come into my life. He takes the chains and the shackles off. And that's what he did with Mary Magdalene. 1 John chapter 3, verse 8. It says, he who sins is of the devil... For the devil has sinned from the beginning. And here it is. For the purpose of the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. Christ came into this world to destroy the forces of darkness in the lives of people. And all they have to do is call upon his name. Say, Lord Jesus, I need you. Lord Jesus, come into my life. I surrender my life to you I give my life to you I, I give you the reins and when you give him the reins he comes in and he starts working in your life I'm too ashamed and too embarrassed to tell you some of the things that your pastor was in chains to before he came to Christ uh, they, they were dark they were hideous prior to 1992 I was in chains but then Christ came into my life and he set me free. He set me free and he can set you free too. Um, she was set free from the shackles of sin, darkness and deception. Christ destroyed the works of Satan in her life. John eight thirty six. My daughter has it tattooed on her arm. Therefore, if the Son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. He offers us freedom and he offers us forgiveness. Mary Magdalene we're we're, we're almost to the resurrection we're getting there we're getting there well actually we're going to stop by at the cross then we're going to stop by the empty tomb the laying of the empty tomb then we'll look at the resurrection but Mary Magdalene she knew Jesus she loved Jesus and she followed Jesus all the way to the cross literally based on the text of scripture based on her presence being there I want to give you some pit stops. Friday night we talked about the death and Good Friday, but I want to make a pit stop before we get to the resurrection. John 19, 25. John 19, 25. This, this places Mary Magdalene at the cross. She was there. The one who had been set free, she's there at Calvary. John 19, 25 says, Now there stood by the cross of Jesus, his mother and his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene she was there Mary Magdalene she witnessed Jesus's darkest hour on the cross suffering for the sin of the world she saw the scourging she saw the crown of thorns she saw the nail pierced hands she saw his feet being pierced she witnessed the bloody slaughter of the son of God Isaiah 53 7 says he was oppressed and he was afflicted yet he opened not his mouth he was led as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before its shears is silent, so he opened not his mouth. The lamb was taken to the slaughter, and it wasn't behind a building where this stuff in private because it's so grotesque and so hard to watch, but it was placed out placed out there for all to see, including Mary Magdalene. Mary Magdalene the one who had set her free from the seven demons, the one who gave her liberty and gave her freedom, is now she watches in horror and torment as he is crucified. you got to remember, the crucifixion was an ugly mess. In Hebrews chapter 12, it says he was taken outside the city. Why was he taken outside the city to be crucified? For sanitary reasons. It was, so, it was, a, it was a political torture. It was Rome saying, you rebel against us, we're going to do this to you. It was very ugly, it was not very pretty, and she watched it all. But at the same time that these sinful men crucified him, it was God's plan from the foundation of the world that the Lamb of God would be crucified on the cross. You see, in the Old Testament... If we were living in the Old Testament, thankfully we're not. We're not dragging bulls in here and placing bulls up on brazen altars and stuff. But in the Old Testament, a a lamb was brought to the temple or to the tabernacle. And the lamb was placed on the brazen altar. And on the brazen altar, the sacrifice was consumed for the sins of Israel. Well, our sacrifice, the Lord Jesus Christ was sacrificed on the brazen altar of Calvary for the forgiveness of our sin so that God could be perfect, good, and just, punishing sin but forgiving us. It's called the goodness of God. That's what took place at Calvary, and she got to witness it at all. Now, I love the Bible. When you study the Bible, man, it just, it opens up your heart. Look at Mark chapter 15, verses 46 through 47. This places Mary Magdalene she witnessed Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus. Remember Nicodemus? Nicodemus, John chapter three. Jesus spoke to him, John 3:16, and said, "You must be born again. That's who Jesus was talking to, was Nicodemus. and then Joseph of Arimathea, who had a tomb, places her there. She was there. She watched it. She watched everything. Mark chapter 15, verses 46 and 47. Then he bought fine linen, took him down, wrapped him in linen, and he laid him in a tomb which had been hewn out of the rock and rolled a stone against the door of the tomb. And there it is, right there in your Bibles. And Mary Magdalene and Mary the mother of Jose observed where he was laid. Mary Mary Magdalene's nightmare came to a close as she watched Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus lay the lifeless, mutilated, dead body of Jesus in the tomb. She watched it. How crushing, how, 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 how much lower can you get The one that you put your hope in. The one who had set you free. The one who brought freedom. Brought forgiveness. Brought love. Brought joy. Brought liberty. He's laid in a borrowed tomb. Dead. Dead. Put yourself in her place. He's dead and she is crushed. She is crushed beyond measure. She don't know what to do. She don't know what to think. It's, it's like a holocaust. It's like, a, it's like a, a bad, bad dream. You know, when something really bad happens and, and, and you wake up the next morning, and you're like, man, I'm just hoping that was just a bad dream. But then all of a sudden you realize, no, this really, really happened. She was crushed because they were getting ready for the greatest comeback in human history. The greatest comeback is the Lord Jesus Christ. And what he's doing throughout this whole process, each and every person, listen closely, he's making a way for you to be right with him. Romans chapter five verse eight says this, God demonstrates his own love for us and while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. It was the love of the Father It was the love of God. It was the love of Jesus that he endured Calvary, that he endured it so that you could be forgiven, so that you could experience freedom. Take advantage of it. Seize the opportunity. Say, Lord, come into my life. I need that. Don't live in the darkness no more. Don't live under shackles. Let the light of the world come into your life and give you love and joy and peace and forgiveness. Experience his amazing grace. He did it for us. But it's really cool studying the historical narrative of what took place on that resurrection weekend. Turn back in your Bibles to John chapter 20. So she's crushed. She's she's at the bottom of the barrel There's nowhere else to go. Now, in my opening, I read verses 1 through 9, so I'm not going to teach through those. In verses 1 through 9, the summary was Mary came to the tomb. She discovers Jesus' body is not there. What does she do? She runs and gets John and Peter. They come and they investigate, and they just head back. So let's pick it up in verse 9. Verse 9 of John chapter twenty. For as they did not know the scriptures, that he must rise again from the dead. Then the disciples went away again to their own homes. You know, back to my commentary, the the disciples went home. That's all it says. But what does Mary Magdalene do? Does she follow them? No. No. She's still in deep anguish. It was early that Sunday morning before the sun had come up. They, they made their way to, to the empty tomb. Matthew chapter 28 tells us that. But Mary Magdalene, and, and, and she's in deep anguish. They were not coming to the tomb to witness his resurrection. The gospel accounts tell us that they came with spices. What were spices used for in the first century? They were used to prepare the body for burial, This was like the final closure. This was, our hearts are dashed, our hopes are crushed. It's true, God, Jesus is dead, and they're coming to prepare the body for burial. But look at verse 11. But Mary stood outside the tomb weeping, and as she wept, she stooped down and looked into the tomb. You know I could just see her there that morning she's weeping she's crying she's pinching herself is this true she looks in the tomb she keeps looking in the tomb you know she's in a state of shock she's in a state of of disbelief she's traumatized by the events that have taken place this is the one who has set her free you know as she's as as she saw him crucified and saw him uh, laid in the borrowed tomb but wait a minute though I saw all those miracles. I saw all those healings. I saw Lazarus raised from the dead. I saw him, uh, all the miracles that he did throughout his earthly ministry. Something's just not right here. This is the one who set her free. But now he's dead. And so she's, she's, she's in disbelief. She's in shock. Verse 12. And she saw two angels in white sitting, one at the head and the other at the feet where the body of Jesus had been laid. I could just imagine her like, you know, clearing her eyes. What? Am I hallucinating? Maybe I, have, maybe I didn't get enough sleep last night. You know, you start seeing things when you're tired and you're worn out, and maybe that's the state of mind she's in. She's that far gone emotionally, physically, and spiritually, that she, she's, she's lost it. But look at verse 13. Verse 13 teaches me... Deep inside of her heart, she had not lost hope. Let's see if you catch it as we read through it. Verse 13. Then they said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, Because they have taken away my Lord. And I do not know where they have laid him. I find this fascinating that Mary Magdalene says in verse 13, she says, They have taken away my Lord. You know what that is? It's called a statement of salvation. He is my Lord. Curios means one that is the sovereign Lord and creator over her life. She had submitted her life to him. She had committed her life to following him. And somehow or another, she was looking through the unbelief, she was looking through the doubt, the unbelief, the disillusionment. Something was going to happen because they have taken away my Lord. When Jesus Christ is your Lord, he is everything to you. And he was everything to her. He was her Lord. And she said, I don't know where because they have taken away my Lord. I do not know where they have laid him. Verse 14. Now when she had said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there and did not know that it was Jesus. I found that statement very hard to understand as I was studying it this week. How can you look to Jesus, see him in the garden, and not know who it is? Unless, one, he's just so disfigured and so marred by the cross. That's one angle to look at it. Secondly, the glorification He's in a brand new body. And thirdly, I I thought about this week as I was thinking about this verse, was just the disillusionment. You know, the the shock and awe effect of of the cross. It's like she was still, Mary Magdalene's world had been so rocked and so disoriented, she was so disillusioned, complete confusion had set in. She was there, but she was not there. She was there physically, but she was not there emotionally. She was not there spiritually. that's, that's, That's where she was. Verse 15, Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? And she, supposing him to be the gardener, said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. At this point in the verse There's a desperation. There's a desperation in Mary Magdalene's search for Christ. She wants to see her Lord and Savior. She wants to see the one who set her free. She wants to see the one that performed all the miracles. She wants to see the one that welcomed all the children. She wants to see the one that welcomed the sinners. She wants to see her Lord Desperation has set in at this moment. And I believe as Jesus is seeing this there in the garden, he sees it. He sees her her angst. He he sees her desperation. And look at verse 16. Probably the greatest word that Mary heard in all of her life. Look at verse 16. Jesus said to her, Mary, Mary, Mary. Jesus only had to say one word. With one single word, the Lord Jesus Christ, in his glorified state, he opened her eyes. And that was simply by speaking her name. In one nanosecond, the doubt, the confusion, the darkness, the disillusionment, the sorrow, It is completely gone. Mary Magdalene, in in, in verse 16 of, of the text there in the garden, she goes from the lowest place of despair to the highest peaks of joy. She is filled with faith, hope, and love, and it floods her soul. And that same faith, hope, and love is offered to us today as we put our trust in Christ and we commit ourselves to being a Christian and a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. The only thing left is darkness. It's darkness or light. The world is filled with darkness. Jesus is the light of the world. We can walk in darkness, or we can walk in light. I don't know about you, but I want to walk in the light. I want to trust in my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, the creator of the universe, the one that spoke and the universe came into existence. The one who spoke and gave us his word. The one who died on the cross. And ultimately the one who rose from the grave. He is the resurrection and the life. With his voice he called her name. And look at, look at her response halfway through verse 16. It says, she turned and said to him, Rabboni. Which is to say teacher. Rabboni. It's just a strong form. It's just a strong expression of the phrase rabbi. It was what they would call their teachers back in the first century. The senior rabbi, the one that was head over the synagogue. They gave him utmost respect. They listened to his teaching. They followed and did everything he said. And this this expression, Rabboni, expresses great honor and supreme reverence. Mary falls in worship clutching jesus in her arms she is the joy the excitement oh my goodness he's alive and she just falls down and she clings to his clings to his body she clings to the glorified christ it is true he is the resurrection and the life you know this is the heart of christianity This is the heart of Christianity, that every single one of us fall at the feet of the Lord Jesus Christ. And you and I fall at the feet of the Lord Jesus Christ when we understand how good he is. Why would you reject a good father, a good parent, someone that's been so good to you? Why would you slap them in the face? Why would you turn away? Why would you reject them? There is no good reason. Because God is so good. He's made a way for us to have a personal relationship with him. And now, all of a sudden, in Mary Magdalene's mind, it's all coming together. It's all coming together. He came into this world to die on the cross for our sins, to rise from the grave, and to give us new life. And he's good, he's perfect, he's holy, he's righteous. This is the heart of Christianity. Not that you become religious, but simply this that you love Jesus. And that love for Jesus results in a life of obedience. It says, Lord Jesus, I love you so much, and you're so amazing, and you're so awesome, and and you've cleansed my soul that I wanna live my life for you. I wanna turn my back on the world, and I wanna live for the one who gave his life for me. You know, um, Y'all know the verse, John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. He told that to Nicodemus in John chapter three. Um, when you think about the love of God, remember this, listen closely. When you think about the love of God, what symbol, what image comes to your mind? The image that should come to our mind when you think about the love of God is the cross, is the cross When children go to mommy and daddy, and parents, you can relate to this, and kids can relate to this too. When you ask mommy and daddy, how much do you love me? What do us mom and dad say? We look at our kids. I I look at my kids for all these years. I say, I love you this much. And I stretch out my arms. I stretch out my arms, expressing to my children, I love them this much. Well, God stretched out his arms on a wooden cross 2,000 years ago. And he says to each of us, I love you this much. Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give your soul rest. I will give your soul peace. I will give your mind peace. Rest and trust in me. Come experience my goodness, my love, my joy, my peace from being right with me. That's the heart of Christianity. And I believe that all those things I just mentioned I believe they're they're coming down, they're coming down at this very moment in the heart and life of Mary Magdalene, from the small town, the fishing village of Magdala, where she was set free from demons. You know, I find this interesting, that uh, she's the first missionary. You know, the gospel accounts tell us she, Mary Magdalene, she is the very first person that Jesus presents Himself to post-resurrection. He, pre- he presents himself to Mary Magdalene and then he tells, not the men, not the elders, not the leaders, not the Pharisees or whoever else. He doesn't tell the men. He tells Mary Magdalene, a woman, you go and tell the disciples. So she was like the very first missionary. How cool is that? That he commissions a, a, a woman that had been set free From seven demons. See, throughout the whole entire Jesus' earthly ministry, Jesus was omniscient. He was omnipresent. He knew everything that was going on. And he knew the disciples that were following him. And he knew each and every one of those precious ladies that were following him that were also equal disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ. I can't help but to think that Mary Magdalene held a special place in Jesus' heart. He, he, she followed him all the way. She didn't deny him on the evening before his crucifixion like Peter did. She followed him all the way. So, and, 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 so he has a special blessing for her. I'm going to present it to you, Mary Magdalene. You're going to be the one that starts Christianity after my resurrection by going and telling the disciples. How cool is that? All right. She gets a little stingy in verse 17. Look at verse 17. Jesus said to her, Do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to my Father. But go to my brethren and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, and to my God and your God. So Mary Magdalene, you know, she falls at the feet of Jesus, she clings to him. You know, Mary Magdalene, she's getting a little stingy here because she wants Jesus all for herself. Okay? And Jesus is saying to her, this is not just for you, Mary. This is for the whole world. Mary Magdalene, this joy that you're experiencing by encountering me and me coming into your life and being your Lord and Savior, this is for the entire world. So Jesus couldn't just stay there in the garden and just him and Mary Magdalene, you know, have this personal intimate relationship and he be her Lord and he stay here on earth he's like no I'm, I'm going I, to ascend back to my father <clears throat> I'm going to ascend to my father and your father to my God and your God so the Lord Jesus Christ after his resurrection he ascends to the father he is seated at this very moment as you and I are breathing, breathing the air in this room he is seated at the right hand of the father in that same joy That same experience that Mary Magdalene had is available to you and I so that all of us here can trust in the Lord Jesus Christ so that we can fall at his feet, so that we can fall in love with him. He loves you, he died for you, and he wants to have a relationship with you. And he's saying here in verse 17, sorry Mary, but you can't cling to me. Uh, I got a bigger mission. I, I, I got a world... That a gospel's got to go out to so that people living 2,000 years from now, living in Irmo, South Carolina, can have the same experience. So that people living in Africa, Europe, and all the continents around the world can read my word, understand this relationship, and they can cling to me just like you're clinging to me now. Beautiful story, Mary Magdalene. Verse 18, our final verse this morning. It says, Mary Magdalene came and told the disciples that she had seen the Lord and that he had spoken these things to her. And there you have in verse 18, the very first witness of the Lord Jesus Christ. So the first missionary, the first person sent out, the first witness to the gospel was not Peter, was not John, was not any of the disciples or the religious leaders. It was Mary Magdalene. So as you, you know, get into the word, man. Study these people <clears throat> in the scriptures. Understand their life. Each person in the Bible from Peter, John, James, Matthew, the tax collector, to, to the ladies, to, the, to Stephen in the book of Acts, they all tell a story of grace. And they all tell a story that God wants to have a personal relationship with us through the Lord Jesus Christ and all it takes is repentance and faith that you say God I'm sorry for my sin I'm sorry for my past please forgive me I turn away from the old life and I turn completely to you and when you do that you can experience the same joy Mary Magdalene from a life Enslaved to demons and darkness to a life of freedom and forgiveness. Mary Magdalene's life stands as a testimony to all who will trust in Jesus. To all who will turn from this world and profess him as their Lord and Savior. He offers the same deliverance today that he gave her long ago to all who will turn to him, to all who will open their heart, to all who will confess that they are a sinner in need of a savior and put their trust in him. My encouragement to each of us today, here in person and online, is invite him into your life today. Turn from sin, trust in Christ, and you can experience the exact same joy And freedom that Mary Magdalene experienced. Have you experienced that joy? Is the joy of the Lord your salvation? Have you experienced that that relief from sin? It's an amazing, amazing experience to know that all your sins are forgiven and to know that even all your future sins and your mistakes will be forgiven for those who in Christ. Jesus said this. I didn't say it, Jesus said it. He said, you must be born again. What does that phrase born again mean? It's talked about multiple times. Peter talks about it in his epistle. Jesus talked about it in John chapter three. But being born again means you experience a new spiritual heart. You and I come into this world with a fallen sinful nature. We are dead spiritually, okay? And being born again is when the Lord Jesus Christ comes into your heart and gives you a new heart with new desires and new affections towards Him. You love Him more than anything. Have you been born again? This is a, a question that each of us don't look to the left or right or front. Look at yourself. Look at your own heart. I look at my own heart in this moment. Have I been born again? Have I said Lord Jesus, please come into my life. Save me. I turn from my sin. I put my trust in you. Have we done that? Have you done that? Romans chapter 10, verse 9 says, If you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and you believe in your heart, God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. Jesus said in John 14, 6, you know, the, the voices in the world are competing with Christianity. They're competing with God's holy, inspired, infallible, inherent word with what? what is truth. Is he the truth? Jesus made the most uh, empirical statement, the most philosophical statement in all of time in John fourteen six, He said, I am the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. And the apostle Paul, through the Holy Scriptures, Second Corinthians 13, verse 8, he ices it, and he says this, for nothing can be done against the truth, but only for the truth. Come to the truth today. His name is Jesus. Let's pray. Let's bow our heads and have a word of prayer. Father God in heaven, I thank you, Lord, for your word. I thank you, Father, for the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank you that you came into this world to save us and give us new life. And if there be anyone here today that doesn't know you as their Lord and Savior, I I pray that today will be the day of salvation. Today will be the day that they say, Lord Jesus, I give you my heart. I turn from this world. I turn from sin. And I put my trust in you. And if there's anyone here within the sound of my voice, if you don't know Christ as your Lord and Savior and you want to, you say, man, that's my heart's desire I want to know that I'm saved. I want to know that I'm forgiven. I want you to slip up your hand and we're going to pray for you. We're going to pray for you that God will fill your heart and soul with joy and peace as you receive him as your Lord and Savior. Don't resist him. Don't harden your heart as they did in the rebellion. But if you hear his voice, open your heart to him and say, Lord Jesus, please forgive me of my sin. Lord Jesus, please come into my life and I commit my life to following you and following your word. In Jesus' mighty name I pray. Amen. Amen. If you prayed that prayer and you meant it, you are a new creation. Christ is your Lord. Now live your life for Him. Experience freedom. Experience joy. Experience the joy of the Lord, the peace that comes from knowing Him. And go out and live your life for His honor and for His glory. And again, get plugged into church. Get plugged in here at Calvary Chapel. Come and learn and grow. You know, um, I think back to when I first came to Christ. I didn't have it all together. I made a profession of faith in Jesus. I invited him into my life. I turned from the world, but I had a lot of struggles, a lot of fight, a lot of temptation. I had a lot of baggage, a lot of sinful baggage. But it was through moving forward in discipleship and accountability and getting plugged into the local church that I stand here today free because he who the sun sets free is free indeed love you guys have a wonderful resurrection weekend remember he defeated death he defeated hell he defeated the grave by his resurrection Is secure it's solid we know what happens on the other side. There's no, uh oh, what's going to happen when I die? Nope, because Jesus rose from the grave. I know when I step into eternity, I will see him. Through his resurrection from the dead, every word in this book is true, and you can bank your life on it. Let us pray. Father God in heaven, thank you, Lord, for this resurrection Sunday. Thank you, Lord, for how awesome and amazing you are in making a way for us to be forgiven and come into this new life in Christ. I pray, Father, for every believer here this morning that they are strengthened and encouraged in their faith. And for, Lord, those who prayed that prayer to receive you, to follow you, to commit their lives to serving you, I pray, God, that you will strengthen by your Holy Spirit through signs, wonders, confirmation, Father, in their heart, Lord. Let them go home and have new desires, a new heart, a new passion to follow you. Work mightily by your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' mighty name I pray. All God's people said, amen, amen.